Hey there, enjoying SPO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed... John Bricado. John Bricado. Well, John, we have taken a little venture travel ride to the West Coast. Um, and I think this is a good episode for our listeners. So if you don't mind, um, fill them in. Yeah, Jack, we're definitely on the move again uh, in New Zealand and now back in, in Portland, Oregon. We have uh, Sherry Lewis. Sherry is the Director of Business Services and Operations at the Park Grove School District in Portland, Oregon, where we just were last year for ASBO International's annual conference. Uh, yep. But more specifically today, we're talking to Sherry about grants, uh, kind of dispelling some myths getting the kind of questions answered about what to do to successfully apply and secure grants. And really, as she kind of goes through just monitoring those grants and, you know, what do you do on the tail end with an audit? So it's really kind of a, a very comprehensive A to Z explanation yeah. of what you can Using anticipate. Really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. uh, we just want to thank Sherry again, and we hope you enjoy yeah. our conversation with Sherry Lewis. Today on the podcast, we have Sherry Lewis. Sherry is the Director of Business Services and Operations at the Park Rose School District located in Portland, Oregon, and she's also a director on the Board of Directors for ASBO New York. Sherry, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Welcome, Sherry. This is very exciting, Sherry, uh, to have you on. Uh, You are a Board of Director, I would say. um, um, Your term is 2025, so this is your first year on the board? Okay, it's very good, very good. Well, with anyone else, um, let us have you go through your background, your experience, your career for our listeners. Uh, it'd be great to start off with that. Um, I've been in school district uh, 23 years. Prior to that, I spent um, four to five years in public practice with Pricewater Schools. And prior to that, I was a prison guard, police officer, and a drill instructor. So Really? Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, you, you know, nonsense. I can see in your face. She, she right. just got a little <laughs> smile right now. She just cracked a little bit. I'm <laughs> That's an ex-cop from Memphis, so. <laughs> That's good. Wow. Great, great. Well, well, we're excited to have you on. And uh, what we really wanted to, to speak to you about today is kind of some grants management focus, because you've presented a few times on grants management over the past. And I was wondering if maybe you could kind of walk us through what you do to prepare and submit applications to be successful in, in applying for grants? I think the, the thing I do with my teaching is figure out if that subject is going to be relevant for that year. I mean, obviously, you don't want to go to a class you've done over and over again because it's not going to be important. Grants are things that we always have, but there's things that constantly change in grants. So when I teach about grants, I only I teach compliance, but I also teach things that have changed. And one of your questions had to do about what are some of the biggest things that have changed that are instrumental in grants and how to mm-hmm. be successful in understanding what those things are. So when I build my application, I build it with that understanding. And as you build your objectives, what would what do you want them to learn from that thing? Because grants and federal compliance is 
like reading the IRS code. It's like going snoring. It's not something people <laughs> I like really that. want. Good nighttime learn. reading. <laughs> and I read federal grants for fun. I mean, that's what I do in my part time. But um, you have to build an agenda that is just something that that catches the eye. What is going to make them want to come to the class? So it's important when you write the objectives that you play with the language to ensure you can entice that person to come to the class. Got it. Well, we understand, I guess, you've been in several districts and now you've been in this district for uh, a little bit of time here. Um, does your, well, my first question is, does your district have a dedicated grants team that just specifically applies? Some districts have that. Um, and if so, do you work closely with them? But if not, you know, um, how involved are you with the grants? And either way, I, I do want to know, you know, how do you, how do you work with them as far as identifying grants if they're newer or ones that you're doing each year? So in my past district, we were the largest district in Portland, I mean in Oregon. So we had oh, about $100 wow. million hundred million dollars in grants a year. Wow. I had four mm-hmm. grant accountants. I converted a, a position into a grant manager. So they had probably about 150 to 200 grants between them, between private donations, state grants, and federal grants. 150 and for the year? That's a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a lot. Um and there were some that were directly from the feds, and there were some that were passing through your state LEA, or state uh, education institution. So it's important to understand the difference between a direct uh, funding or whether you get it through a state funding, because there are differences, and there's a lot of compliance differences. Uh, but in my current district, I've been here going on my ninth year, I don't really have a dedicated grant account. I have a senior accountant, and then I, I do grants. So we work it together, and I have one uh, accounting manager, and we basically work it together. But I have 20 to 25 websites that I look at and get listservs on a weekly basis, and I read newspapers every day. And, um, you know, part of being the legislative chair for ASBO for six years, I, I read all these things and tried to tell people, hey, this is coming up, this is around, hey, the EPA is making changes, so you know, let's think about nutrition. So all those things are things I've been doing for a long time. That's great. Yeah. And so, and so having both experiences, having a dedicated grants team in person and now doing that a lot yourself, is there one that you prefer? Do you like being closer to the work or do you wish you had some more time freed up to do other things than grants and be on all those listservs? I mean, obviously I got into this career because I love numbers. I mean, I am an ex-cop, but one of the things about grants it's, it's the intrigue of grants and how well I can make it make my school better with that grant. And as in education, you have a lot of turnover in principals and administrators and superintendents. Sure. Uh, the accounting team tends to be more stable. So sure. you want to, as the transition, one of the uh, um, things I've been known for is teaching administrators and legislators about federal funding and understanding. So as you transition people around, you constantly have to train them of what you can and cannot do, what's allowable, what's not allowable. And they, everything does have a bend curve. I've not always no, even though I may look like I'm always no. I don't always say no, but a lot of times I do. But if I say it, <laughs> I say it with, this is the reason why. Okay, we believe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't be a little mean if you saw my drug garden reports in the <laughs> right. So for those that aren't, 
maybe too familiar with grants, can you kind of dispel any myths surrounding federal grant awards and how have the rules been modified throughout the years in, in your estimation? The myth about grants is that, are they complicated? Yes, they are complicated. Is there rules? Yes. With anything that you're given, similar to a bank loan or anything is, there's, there's rules associated with it. So you have to learn them. And a lot of times we don't have the bandwidth in our, in our world to take on those things. So, but the biggest thing that's changed in the last few years is where we had no child left behind. Now we have ESSA, Elementary Secondary Education Act. So a lot of things happened with the Obama administration for the Accountability and Transparency Act. And also with that is 2 CFR 200. Huge change with 2 CFR 200 was you put want regulations of the OMB, what's Office Management Budget Rules, you had eight of them that we all had to go look at every year. Now they have it in just two CFR 200. And then every year, instead of just reading the, there's a thousand some odd pages, they give you that compliance supplement every year. And hopefully you get it before the audit starts or the interim, but that never happens. Usually comes out in June. And it tells you the things to really look for in your grants or things that have changed or simpler when we had ARA money, uh, American Recovery Act money, and ESSA and ESSER money and the ARP money, there are different rules about how you had to deal with those funds. So understanding the federal compliance and how that changed, it was important with 2 CFR. It, it kind of brought everything into one little realm. And it made it easier to teach and not ever pulling from every umbrella and trying to figure out which rule I was supposed to follow. You're still following Edgar. We know that. But you, the federal compliance is still going to be 2 CFR 200. And I teach that all the time to people every year, two or three times. I don't know how many times you teach it, so. Are there any grants that are like just gimmies? I mean, like, because what I say that is not in so it being a myth, but like just that schools will get almost like no matter what. I mean, they apply for it. Um, there's not much criteria that they need, but they know that um, this is a grant that they'll get. Are there any grants of that nature um, where it's just like, it's almost like a no-brainer for a school district to apply? I mean, there are grants that you apply for and there's grants that you're going to get based on and more. Okay, you're going to no. get it. Your title grants, Title One, Title Two, Title Three, mm-hmm. Title Four. You're going to get Not competitive. Yeah. Right? You, unfortunately, the McKinney-Vento grants, they're not guaranteed. You have to fill out, a, and you have to be very strategic in your McKinney-Vento grants to ensure that all these steps have been met. Like my district, I had a new director that didn't actually understand all of it. Now the key is I didn't know she submitted it, so we lost it. So for the next three years, I don't get a McKinney-Vento. Oh, wow. Because they didn't understand the complexity of what it meant in the application. As I will always tell people, everything we do every day is a teachable moment. Will I fall over the sword and say, you'll be very critical? No. We'll learn from it. We'll get better at the next time. It's a good approach. So, you know, one of the biggest things that I think were uh, grants, right, and I think you had really harped on this in your the latest presentation I heard, was really grant tracking, right? Um, that's just as critical, right, as securing a grant because um, – you know, you could lose those funds. Um, I don't know if you've heard of instances where things, funds have been pulled back. Um, not going what I've never been in that situation. But um, just me before I listen, let us know some best practices surrounding that. Like really the grant tracking aspect. How important, you know, would you place value on that? So 
one of the phrases I always say is CYA, cover your assets. Okay. <laughs> if you want to call it your asset, I don't care. Okay? I like assets. It's, it's clean. If your assets is clean, but the way to keep your assets is to main accountability. And to do that, I'm a little old school. I'm a lot older than both of you. I still use folders. And in that folder, I have a spreadsheet that tells me who the program director is, what's the scope of the work, what's my initial budget, what's the period of availability, who is the person at the state or the feds I have to work with. And the phone numbers, I do that. So that's the very first page. Next page is my award letter. And I, in the award letter, and they may be different from state to state, and then universally pretty much the same. It says, here's your award, here's your period availability, here's my contact information, and here's what you can and cannot do. Now, a lot of times in that, most people at states, and I, it's the same in Oregon, a lot of people at the state have never worked in the school. So translating what they think is an objective versus reality of what we have to do day to day. So a lot of times I'll call them, okay, now do you actually understand what you wrote? And they'll go, well, that's what I was told to write. I said, hmm, let's have, let's have a discussion. What does that mean in your world? Because if I call to you, what does that mean you can do? So I teach a lot of people at the state, what does that award mean? So then I also track every contract I sign. I track the budget, how many staffing I have in it, if the staffing changes, if I need effort certifications, do I get them on a monthly basis or I do them twice a year. Um, I meet with the program people before they get to start spending, before they start spending. That's the key, because a lot of yep. times they'll get this money and say, oh, I got money, I can go spend it. No, you don't get to spend it until you actually understand how you can spend it and what you can do. Um, and then meeting with them periodically, whether it's every other month, every quarter, depending on the size and the complexity of it. But the, the thing that the end is that if now it's the biggest thing through uh, ESSER and all the other things is the yearly or quarterly reporting. States are requiring you to do extensive reporting that you've never done before. So not only reporting fiscally, but reporting narrative are you meeting your goals and objectives that you set out initially? So are we doing those things? In our old world, there would be KPIs, okay? We don't really think of KPIs in the accounting world because is the number red or black? Am I good or not? Um, but you have to work with the education side. And a lot of the things I tell people when I train, you have to learn to get out of your chair, which means you have to get out of your comfort zone and learn their side of the world. And in that means, you become better better accompanied to what you need to achieve in that grant. And when an expense comes in, hey, it makes sense. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. So you had mentioned that, you know, being clear and concise with how the narratives are and when, when you're submitting these grants. And I, and I guess in, in my next question is, is kind of about being audited and, you know, what can someone expect from being audited on a, on a federal grant and kind of in that same vein, you know, when you're submitting these narratives and everything for these grants and being audited, especially in the circumstances that you described more recently with the new federal funding, that's much different than what we've had to do with reporting wise before. Do you have a sense that anyone in the fed is really looking at all this, especially when it's very narrative heavy or is it just going into some black box and we'll probably never hear anything about it again? <laughs> the black box I, it's the black box you know i think only if 
The biggest thing with ESSER, which is now a major program and it ha absolutely has to be tested from the auditors, there is some degree of you have to know what you're doing. Are right. they giving you the latitude to spend? Yes, with some guidelines. Mm -hmm. In the uh, accounting world, I think there is that big black box, but there still is the audit firms are now, and I have my own CPA firm, and I can say this myself, is you have to be really strategic on your SASs um, and understanding what you can tell a client and what you can do for your client, because you couldn't do what you could do for your client that I did 10 years ago. They could come in and give me all this kind of guidance and say, hey, you should really do it this way. Now, if they did that, they're basically doing your job. Then oh. in the opinion, they can write that basically you could almost be yourself incompetent if they allowed you or they did the things that they could do 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. They can't do that now. The stature account, uh, basically the SAS rules won't allow for that. So it really requires a school district to hire people that take the due diligence to learn the things. Because in my state, there are probably less than 10 CPAs that work in school districts. Interesting. You know, I wanted to ask you, Ron, real quick, because this is really good stuff here. Um, the information even I'm learning, listen to you. Um, is there some place or somewhere, uh, maybe either with ASMA International or a reference that you know of for our listeners? Because um, with the information you've um, capitulated today, I, I, I think that it makes sense uh, for us to share that uh, for those who, you know, again, going through the process, going through the auditing, you know, especially that infamous single audit, I tell you, you know, you want to make certain that you're, you're complying on, on all, on all levels. Um, would you be able to speak to that, you know, before you wrap up? I mean, yes. The one thing I usually tell people and when I have interns that work for me from, or are here through college is I take the COSA model and that's basically the internal controlled model. And, and it's the same thing the auditors will give you to write your narratives for your program and your schools and test it. Not only write it, but test it. So they can see how it works and you test it. Because if you say, hey, I actually approved payroll. Hey, that person was actually paid by IDEA. Oh, I do have an effort served by them. Oh, it all come together. But testing that at least a couple times a year so you know that your programs work. It's okay if you get a finding. Findings, everybody, I, I do not like them. Believe me, I've had it maybe two <laughs> in my 20-some years. I don't like them. But did I get it for a reason? Yes. I got it because I may have gotten lackadaisical or there was something I didn't think of. So findings are not bad. They're a good way for you to say, okay, that's something I can get better on. A Correct. lot of people yep. harp in the find. If I get a finding, you know, my boss is going to fire me. I can't do my job or whatever. Findings are just like everything else. It's a teachable moment, and can we correct it? There's not much in our accounting world that we cannot correct. As my mother would say, or my father would, don't get your knickers in a walk. <laughs> not much I can't fix. You right. said, say, knickers in a what? Don't get your knickers in a walk. Like in, a in the old okay. days, you wore knickers, right? <laughs> and you got okay. them bundled up because you were all stressed out because I made a mistake. Right. Mistakes happen every day. I like that. Okay? Yeah. Mistakes are part of our world. That's how we learn. That's how we teach our students. We want students to have a creative mind. With creative mind comes mistakes. 
I have one more kind of follow-up question to what we were talking about before, before we kind of wind down here. You know, when I, I was thinking back to when you were originally answering about your experience with larger districts and having a dedicated grants person or team, and then a smaller district where you're kind of doing yourself. What about something in the middle? I mean, there's a few companies out there that offer grant writing services and, and things like that consult with school districts. Do you have any experience with that and any opinion on whether that's kind of a good or bad avenue to kind of explore? That depends on your cash flow. They're expensive. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So grant writing is more or less writing the scope of your contract. The who, what, when, when, why. What do you want to achieve? How are you going to manage your goals? And what do you need to get those goals to achieve? Right? But then knowing what are, what are the key points that they want you to focus on. Grant writing is not that hard. Okay. It's just knowing what little pieces of the pie they want to focus on. And usually if you pull up your AL number or the old world CFDA number, you can understand exactly what they want to focus on. Right? When we change from No Child Left Behind to the new way we think about title schools, what do we want to focus on? And looking at whether you're a targeted assistant school or not a targeted assistant school. And am I focused on math, English, or I'm focusing on poverty? Or where are you focusing on? So then you can find the demographics in your narrative to highlight the things that makes you more successful. Because grants, the key thing about grants, it's to enhance and to supplement. It's not to supplant. It's to enhance and to supplement. So when you write your grant narrative, how can it enhance and supplement what you're doing in your organization? Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, sure, this is great. Um, you know, with that, um, we like to just, you know, is there any guest who comes on here, give you an opportunity to, um, you know, give us, our, our listeners, a piece of advice, right? Now, whether they're seasoned or, or a new um, SBL. One thing I'd say, the best advice, remember, everything's a teachable moment. We all learn different. Be patient. Like we were all new once. So think about that as you, in your role, to be mindful of people that come in to be patient with them and give them grace. Now, that doesn't mean I don't fight when it comes time. I do. <laughs> but well, you, you were law you, enforcement. You've you got to have that yeah. in your blood. You blue blood, I, I do fight sure. occasionally. Okay. Um, then are a gift. Okay. Use those gifts wisely. Yes. Because all of us are law, have no money. We all, it's the same whether you're in New York, you're in Oregon, what coast you're in, wherever, we're all short of funds. So use your gifts to the best way you can. And grants are hard, but they're also fun. <laughs> I enjoy grants. It's the enjoyment of teaching people to the fun. Like I teach legislators and I teach college also. Teaching principals kind of have fun with money. And it's not, it's, it's not the terrible subject matter. It's fun. Right. Right. Well, well, Sherry, yeah, thank you so much. We can't thank you. Uh, thank you enough for coming on today. And I know it's a busy time, as you said, with audits going on. So carving out a little time for us, uh, we truly appreciate yes. it. And we can't wait to get this up to our listeners. So thanks again. Yeah, and Sherry, by the way, will, you, will we see you next month at the conference? You come to our coast? All right. Yeah. You know, we had a good time last year um, in your state. That was great in Portland, but I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you. That's good. Yeah, See I, I will be there. I'm teaching special education law. Oh, great. Awesome. Great. We'll make sure to, to be there. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, All right. Sherry. Bye, guys. 
thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sherry today on all things grants and what to do and what not yeah, to do. You can tell, John, she's very knowledgeable. Um, yeah. You know, that's one thing I'd heard prior to when I'd heard um, one of her presentations. I mean, you name it. I mean, from soup to nuts, she knows it all. And I yeah. love the fact that, you know, she's got that law enforcement background. She's no, no nonsense, <laughs> no, right? So, no nonsense, right? I mean, she'll let you know. And my favorite, I actually wrote this down because I'm going to look it up. <laughs> so my favorite part is don't get your knickers in a wide. <laughs> I love that right there. <laughs> that Gosh, could be the episode my, my title. Oh, no. <laughs> I, it might be. Hey, listen, right. you know, but um, she was really great. And um, being a head of legislative committee, as well as being the director at ASWA National, um, she brought so much more. Yeah. Um, and I, we really appreciate her coming on. So it was good, good stuff. Hope listeners yeah. like it. Yeah, we, we appreciate her time again and her wealth of experience and knowledge and just the wisdom she's been able to impart today. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.